Welcome to the Business of Biotech Summer Executive Sessions. I'm Matt Pillar with Bioprocess Online and your host for the next 30 or 40 minutes that we're going to spend with Dr. Gaurav Shah, CEO and President at gene therapy company Rocket Pharmaceuticals. Rocket is working on a pipeline of gene therapies for rare and devastating inherited diseases, including Dannon disease, Fanconi anemia, leukocyte adhesion deficiency, and pyruvate kinase deficiency. Dr. Shah joined the company in 2015 on the heels of service as global program head in the cell and gene therapies unit at Novartis. Prior to that, he was global clinical program head, excuse me, global clinical program head for CART-19 and biosimilars at Novartis, lead physician on several oncology submissions for Affiniter, and medical director at Imclone Eli Lilly, having overseen oncology trials focused on monoclonal antibodies while serving there. Dr. Shah, we're thrilled you could join us. Great to be here, Matt. It's great to have you here. And I, uh, before we get rolling here, I want to point out just a few more accolades uh, Dr. Shah has a, a behavioral neuroscience degree from Harvard College, earned his MD from Columbia before completing his res- residency at Brigham and Women's Hospital. And by the way, he uh, in 2019 played on a record that was nominated for a Grammy in the best children's album category. So I can't just toss that little factoid out there without some context before we start talking about medicine and Rocket, and what inspired you to do what you do. Tell us a little bit about Falou's Bazaar. Did I pronounce that correctly? Falou's Bazaar, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, sure. So I, um, I have had a passion for Indian music since early in life. Uh, I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, as an Indian American uh, with immigrant Indian parents. I was exposed to uh, a lot of Indian music, um, but uh, really got the opportunity to sit down and train in traditional Indian classical music when uh, I was around 12 or 13. And I just, I've been obsessed with it my whole life. Um, And uh, I eventually moved to a career in medicine. I was always of two minds. Do I do music or I do medicine? Mm -hmm. And um, along the way, when I applied to college, when I applied to medical school, when I applied to residency, the the music was always a part of my story. Someone asked me in my interview, what is it that you think about all day? I would say, well, honestly, I I have to say, I think about Indian musical notes. That's what I think about all day. So uh, we started a band in college called Karishma, and uh, he was with some friends who are still my friends, very close friends. Um, and then I ultimately, I, I, I got married to uh, an Indian classical singer, and um, our boy, his name is Nishad, was, he's, he's now nine years old, but when he was five, he started asking questions about, uh, you know, what kind of food is it that we eat, and, you know, what is this language, and how does it relate to English, and uh, we actually just thought that why don't we make a, a CD? We, we were musicians. Why don't we make, make a CD, an album around teaching uh, culture to children of South Asian descent? But it could be for anybody. It's you know sort of a, a global focus on this. And um, some of the melodies that came out nicely, and uh, we just decided to submit for a Grammy, see what happens, and um, got nominated. Got nominated. Yeah, uh, that's 
That's super cool. What, what do you play? I, I sing and I play this instrument called the harmonium, which is like an accordion, but it's, uh, it's designed for Indian scales and music. Yeah. So those yeah. two. Awesome. And we're going we're to talk about music a little bit more later. Uh, but, but right now, take us back to your, you know, you, you referenced medicine kind of being the other half of the, you know, the, the other half of the whole that makes up Dr. Garavshaw. Take us back to those postdoctoral sort of formative years coming out of your residency at Brigham and Brigham and Women's Hospital uh, in, in 2004. Um, where did you, you know, music side, where, where did you sort of envision your career headed from there? So, so the other question I've had my whole life, starting in, uh, I think when I was 11, is about the neuroscience of consciousness. Where does the conscious, where does consciousness reside in the brain? Um, really, it's a question about who we are as a species, as living beings in the universe. What is our place in that? And it led me to uh, a deep interest in the neurosciences and uh, ultimately uh, a, a a deep focus on behavioral neuroscience as an undergraduate, which was my major. And that turned into a career in neuro-oncology. So I was at the Brigham doing internal medicine. I uh, spent time with a mentor there, Patrick Wen, who thought that uh, I, would, I would really prosper as a neuro-oncologist because in the world of neuro-oncology, uh, it, it brings you face-to-face -face with these questions, right? Um, some patients have perhaps a, uh, an abnormality in a certain part of the brain. And, and it doesn't just change their body, it changes them, it changes their consciousness and dedicating a life to eradicating those very difficult tumors and helping people become who they truly are again became a passion of mine for many years. Um, and so I went down that path. I ended up at Sloan Kettering to be formally trained in neuro-oncology. And um, at the end of that, I moved into biotech, into the biotech world of drug development, because I felt that that's where I could have the greatest impact in terms of patients uh, and, and creating medicines for disorders, some of them like the ones that we're, we're dealing with at Rocket Pharma. Uh, but all of this has sort of, I couldn't have predicted how this all unfolded, right? It was, it, it was a deep interest in neurosciences and philosophy and medicine, but it was an interest in music. Um, and uh, it's all become an integrated whole now in a way that I could never have imagined. It's very exciting. Yeah, in a way that you could never imagine, but I'm, I'm hoping that you can explain as, as the conversation goes on. <laughs> how, did you, uh, how, did you come to how, how did you come to be uh, CEO and president at Rocket? So in the world of medicine and drug development, I was fortunate to have some experiences early in my career. First of all, at the end of my time at Sloan Kettering, I spent a year working with a venture capital company, uh, not doing medicine, but uh, helping think about how to start companies, how to invest in early stage companies, pipeline and management teams. So my first job in my career was uh, with a consultant hat on trying to help a, a what was then a top tier venture capital firm um, source companies and do due diligence on their deals. And uh, I just became so enamored by that process of, of company formation, company growth and drug development that that's, that's how I decided to pursue my career. So instead of doing brain tumor work at Sloan, Sloan Kettering, and I did keep an appointment at Columbia for a couple of years, but I started putting my foot into the world of biotech more and more, I would say in uh, around the year 2007, 2008. And then 
that led to experiences first at Imclone, like you mentioned, and but then secondly at Novartis, where I got a lot of opportunity to learn about cell and gene therapy, specifically about how to take an academic program like the one that was present at uh, at PEM on CAR T, CAR 19, which ultimately got approved for a form of a pediatric leukemia. Um, how to take those academic ideas and transform them into industry grade manufacturing processes and trials that could warrant FDA and EMA approval. So I had experience in that while at Novartis. I was very lucky to have that experience and to be one of the people who had that experience. Uh, in 2015 then, I reconnected with some of the guys that uh, I had been involved with in the, in the venture capital world, which was my first job uh, out of Sloan Kettering. And uh, that led to a reintroduction with Rod Wong, who is the chairman of Rocket and, um, and runs a fund called RTW Investments. They were starting a company in the ex vivo Lenti uh, gene modified cell therapy space, which is the exact experience I had on CAR-T. This was however geared more toward rare pediatric disorders like Fanconi anemia and like Dannon disease, which, which you just mentioned. And ultimately, uh, what was a conversation that was supposed to be 15 minutes long with Rod, I remember being in his office, um, just exploring what kind of role I could play here, uh, turned into a two hour conversation where I knew that I had to do this and it's, it was either, either now or never. Um, and I was having, I had a stable career in pharma that was progressing, but I felt that this was an exit point where I could try this out and see what happens with, with very little to lose. Uh, it just became a lot of fun really quickly um, and, and I've, I've stuck with it. That was, uh, and, and that conversation happened in, in the context, I guess, the historic context of Rocket's formative year, correct? I mean, this this wasn't, uh, Rocket Rocket wasn't really a, a thing. You're, you're not a, a founder per se, but you're a, sort of a, 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 a the, the founding leader, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, so I, I, the, the idea was generated by Rod and by Naveen. Naveen is also on the board from RTW. Uh, and actually, the inception date for Rocket is July 14, 2015. It just passed. We just celebrated it. But um, yeah, so I, I had those conversations with them, I would say, starting in, in August. So, so very soon, they started to search for uh, a leader. And um, so, yeah, so I, I, founding leader, yes, but uh, technically not the founder. Sure. Okay, cool. Well, congratulations on the, uh, on the milestone, by the way. Um, What's the, uh, I just have to ask a, the etymology of, of the name Rocket. What's the story there? So Rod Wong is um, a left-handed tennis player. He's also the chairman of Rocket, but he, uh, th there was a left-handed tennis player in the 1970s that people used to call Rocket Rod. Okay. And um, I believe his name was Rocket uh, Rod Laver. And um, so Rod always wanted to be, have a company called Rocket. So that, that's, the, that's the technical genesis of the name. And when I joined the company, though, um, the other, well, in my first year of college, what I wanted to be when I grew up was actually an astrophysicist. And I, that was my major for a year. And then my, my father, who's very pragmatic, um, and, and I think he was right, um, said that someone like me will just do much better in, in a field like medicine. So I left astronomy and I, I moved to medicine and, I, and, I, and I've loved it. Um, but I always had this itch to, to you know, for astronomy and, and uh, thinking about, you know, not s space travel, but um, thinking about the cosmos. And I grew up with Carl Sagan, sort of a, a, another theme that is integrated into my life, at least. And um, so 
when Rod asked me if Rocket was the right name, I said, I, could, I can't think of a better name in this universe for a company that you're asking me to lead. Yeah. In fact, my, my son, we named his, him, his middle name Orion because Orion is going to be the name of the first rocket ship that takes the first human to, to Mars. And this had happened before Rocket. He's nine years old now, right? So right. I said, this theme is, uh, feels right. So um, we just we stuck with it. Then, so. Yeah, very cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, so when you came to, to Rocket and you came, you know, came, came to be its leader, you're having these discussions about becoming its leader. What did you, what did you bring besides the science foundation, you know, the scientific foundation that uh, was, you know, supported and, and built up during your years at uh, MCLone and Novartis? What, what did you bring experience-wise from those, you know, bigger company experiences that have served you well as the leader of a, you know, straight-up startup? So. Two, I would say two or three different learnings. One is building a team. There are lessons learned from those worlds because I did get the chance early in my career to, to be responsible and accountable for teams. And, and um, I, I, I guess I had been, I had learned how to lead teams through instinct in some ways, but also just, just uh, connecting with people and having conversations with them. And um, it was leadership from sort of a, the viewpoint of a believer. You know, I guess I had, in getting the work done in big pharma, you already have the infrastructure around you, right? You, you have budget approval processes, you have pre-approved vendors, you have most of the people on my team would technically have another manager who was responsible for their day to day. So all I had to do in, in many ways was to believe in the team and help them bring out the, their best self to the project. So that has certainly carried forward into Rocket. The, the way my, my theme or the way I think about this team is uh, I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to believe that you will do bring whatever you can bring to push this pipeline and develop this pipeline, this company forward. What I'm going to give you in return is to help you find a forum in which to find your best self. And that best self may not be in the job that you're starting in. I may work with you to develop it to another job. Your best self may not be at Rocket ultimately, and that's okay, right? Mm -hmm. So that, I feel that the, the experiences in Big Pharma did translate directly into this job. There are other learnings on management and accountability that were very new to me in a small startup, right? Because in big pharma, you can fail. A single person can fail and it doesn't really affect the whole big pharma picture. Here, we can't fail, right? So while the very positive approach to team building works, um, I, I, I have also learned to rely on a more direct driving of accountability. And, and if I can't do that myself, hiring other people like uh, who are very experienced in uh, leading teams and in driving projects. For example, uh, our chief operating officer, Kinnery Patel. Um, so with what I've learned is that bring some of those leadership themes here, but then uh, one has to learn to recognize what one cannot do and, and, um, and find partners who can do that. Mm -hmm. so, so that's one learning. And the other, the other direct learning from that world that does translate into biotech is, is whether you're, uh, looking for money from the heads of Novartis or Wall Street, you still got to look for money and you have to 
believe in your project. Uh, first of all, find the right projects that you believe in. Right? That's really step one that, that's easy for, easily forgettable. And then um, and really um, go into 10 levels depth of detail about them so you're familiar and you, it becomes easy language for you. And then to be able to tell a story that, um, that moves somebody you know, enough to, to invest. You know, investing is a big thing. It's an emotional thing at the end of the day, whether um, it's a Novartis management team or it's a Wall Street investment firm. So yeah. both of those lessons are directly translated. The business of biotech is brought to you in partnership with Cytiva. Together, we're committed to helping the leaders of new and emerging biopharma companies navigate the financial, organizational, human resources, and regulatory waters you'll encounter on your way from discovery to the clinic and beyond. Check out a host of useful resources for biotech leaders at Cytiva's Emerging Biotech Accelerator at cytivalifesciences.com backslash emerging biotech. That's C-Y-T-I-V-A lifesciences.com backslash emerging biotech. Uh, I'm starting to see the, the parallels to music playing out in my mind with the, each of these examples, and I want to yeah. get into that. So, yeah, yeah. so, so earlier, uh, earlier this year, my colleague Rob Wright, who's the chief editor at Life Science Leader, I think he, I think he cornered you at J.P. Morgan before the the world shut down, and uh, and had a conversation with you that sort of sparked some interest uh, on my part. Um, in these parallels between your, your, your musical career and your, and your leadership of, uh, of Rocket. And, and he touched on that in the, in the column. I think there was at least one example in there about, uh, you know, some of the parallels. So I want to, I want to kind of dig into that for a bit. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that you can kind of frame up the conversation. Then I want to maybe ask you some questions about specific responsibilities or disciplines within a biopharma organization and what, your experiences as a, as a Grammy nominated musician have, uh, have, have taught you and, and how they've kind of led you as you move through. So, so first of all, just kind of frame this up. This is a, you know, conceptually in your mind, uh, frame up the conversation around these parallels for us. Well, I think I'm discovering the parallels um, every day. And I will start by saying that I used to say that I've learned more about leadership, quote unquote, uh, by being in a band than all my years of training and leadership courses. And, and, and that's for sure, right? And, um, and, and I'll get into that in a second. But um, I'm also starting to learn that uh, the lessons in leadership that I'm learning in this company, taken back to the band, mm. right? So, so um, and I think, so, when one is in a band, and, and I, I've been in leadership roles in the band since eighth grade, uh, either as a lead singer or now the executive producer, lead financer in some cases, and, and, a, and a sort of a, an executive, right, executive producer. Um, and I still play and all of that, but my role has shifted over time. So in both of these instances, when you're in the band, the leader is not the leader, right? The, the leader is the greatest listener. Right. And step one is to bring in musicians that you admire and respect and think the world. And basically you want to worship them because you want to be sit there on the stage and be inspired by what's going on around you. Yeah. Right? So step one, 
play and work with people better than yourselves. Otherwise, it's just not going to be that fun, right? So that's step one. The second step is then just listen first. Just my greatest, some of my greatest memories in this life on earth are being on stage in the midst of that sound and not playing, not doing anything, just listening. And, and, and um, so that's important. And then when, there, when it is time to contribute something or to sing or to play, then, you know, your, your greatest audience is your band. You know, you're always performing for them more so than for the audience. It's always about, you know, you, you want to surprise one another. You know, you want to do something that makes them say, wow, I've never heard that before. Right. Yeah. And then, and then I guess the fourth one is also, um, you have to understand the audience. You have to understand what it is that they're looking for. And sometimes you're on stage, you have a set list and you change it or you change the way a song is done, or you, you know, you just say, Hey, it's time for a slow song. Or it's time to do a solo. You have to understand what is going to drive the audience. All of these lessons are the same in biotech. There's no diff there's actually no difference, right? You want to hire people better than you so that you yeah. don't have to do anything, right? Not, not that you don't want to do anything. It's not, it's not that you don't want to work, but so that you don't have to have to do something for the sake of it. Yeah. You want to listen to uh, the people who are going to tell you what to do. So give us that. Let's, let's, let's ponder on that. Let's just kind of linger on that, on that yeah. point for a minute and give us some sort of concrete uh, advice or anecdotes, thoughts, you know, from, from your experience at Rocket on, on that specific point. If I'm, uh, you know, let's say I want to start a band. I think I'm a pretty good singer, but I can't play a lick of guitar. Uh, don't know anything about, you know, rhythm and drums. Um, but I think I'm good enough to surround myself with the best. You know, it, it's, it's, it's not easy for me to just say, well, Hey, I'm going to go get, you know, uh, I don't know. What's it? Who's that guy from, uh, from, from guns and roses that played slash it? slash. Yeah. I can't, I can't just, Hey, slash, you know, Love slash give, give me a listen and, and play for me. Right. Like, uh, so, so how about some practical kind of thoughts on going out, winning that talent, and ensuring that it's you know that, that 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 these band members, if you will, are 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 right for for your music and the best that you can, you know, yeah. you can possibly win. Yeah. So obviously, if you are Guns and Roses, you can hire Slash. But Slash started when Guns and Roses are not Guns and Roses. In fact, they were they had a different name. I forgot their original name in the early '80s. Um, so the 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 trick is to find Slash from the '80s, mm. right? and um, to find the slash before slash becomes slash, right? Gotcha. Um, especially in a biotech startup. Now, if you're a big company like Novartis, then it's different, right? You can attract that, that talent. Sure. Um, in this case, uh, it, it's what makes a great biotech leader in the early days, just like what makes a gr great band member in, the, in a small band um, is passion. Just basic, uh, passion to do, to build with you, uh, to be trusted uh, by you, but also for one to trust. You, there has to be two-way trust right from the beginning. And, um, and as much as experience as they can bring to the table, because that combination of things can create magic. Sometimes when someone has too much experience, right, that can be a setback in biotech because you have to be agile and you have to be nimble um, and you have to be ready to, to move on the fly. Um, 
sometimes too much experience can be hurtful. Being too overtrained as a musician, you know, someone, you know, someone who has uh, trained so much and um, that they can't unlearn what they've learned sometimes doesn't make the greatest musician either, right? Uh, you have to take it all and then when you're at the table, whether it's a biotech company or a band, you have to just let go. You have to actually unlearn everything you've learned and you have to just be, right? So in this company, I was very lucky because I had a few band members early on. I've already mentioned Kinnery Patel, our chief operating officer and head of development, but also Jonathan Schwartz, who's our chief medical officer. I'd known both of these um, great uh, drug developers for several years. And they also brought passion to the table. They brought the work ethic, the trust. And um, it, it just sort of worked out in the same way that when I started my band in college, I'm still with those guys. They're still, we just actually, we just finished an album literally yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it is in mastering now. So those guys are still with me and, and relationships like that last for life, right? Yeah. So the more you talk about it, I'm discovering more parallels myself, by the way. I'm <laughs> no. together. Yeah, it's it, uh, it's fascinating, and as as you you know, you talk about the the band that you started uh, back, way back in the day that you're still still with. Just completed a, an album. Congratulations on that, by the way. Um, the other thing that occurs to me, and you mentioned earlier, surprise as being one of those kind of four you know four tenets. You know, the the ability to you know I- improvise, if you will. There's a there's conflict in my mind around this as as a leader of a biotech you've got you know it's a it can be a, a formulaic very prescriptive exercise to go through the motions of developing therapies and at the same time you want to introduce the opportunity for improvisation you want to introduce the the opportunity for discovery but when you're in a band uh with a with a bunch of, of players that you only just started to play with they don't know what to anticipate from you from an improvisation standpoint, right? Like now your, your bandmates from, from college and, and before certainly do. They, they know Gaurav Shah. They, 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 they can probably anticipate when you're going to do something that plays out the crowd or maybe is a little bit wacky. So now this, this is a tough, I guess it's, it's a tough question to, to, to form up, but you get where I'm going. Yeah. What is the catalyst? What is the catalyst and the expediter of creating that sort of environment in your company where you can follow the same sheet of music, everyone can understand it and have the theory of it inside and out, but you're also able to create the latitude for the improvisation that really, you know, excites the company. So I would say the, uh, in both settings, whether you're in the band or in biotech, the key ingredient, and I would say the key catalyst has to be transparency. It's harder in biotech. It's easy in music. If you play the wrong note, you play the wrong note. Yeah. There's nowhere to hide, right? Music, I think like sports, is ultimately exposes all your, all your vulnerabilities. You can't pretend you played a wrong note because it's probably on record. And, and you know, it's, um, in biotech, there's many ways to hide things. Right, it's very, many ways to not be transparent, whether whether it's through your communications or you have your own agenda. Um, it's harder in biotech. It is definitively harder. So, creating a culture where uh, the truth is spoken, where bad news travels fast, and where courage is defined by 
um, really speaking what you really think and not saying what is going to be the right thing to say to be polite or because your boss is there uh, or because you have an agenda with somebody. Just to, to really be courageous enough to be transparent is the basis of good biotech function. There's no way around it. And by the way, having spent a lot of time in pharma, it should be true in pharma too, but it's often not. It's, it's just not the case. Once you have that transparency, you have this, cir this circle of people that are, you know, you've been together for a long time. They, they're going to know your next move. Um, and it's still fun sometimes to surprise them with, with, you know, hey, I have an idea. What do you think of this? And then someone to say, you know what? Wow, that was once in a, once in a while you have a really good idea and that was it, man. Yeah. You know, like that, that's such a rewarding thing. Or to, uh, if we're all doing a town hall together, to have it all rehearsed, but then there's one story that you tell that's meant for even the people that you set up the town hall with, even with your band. Yeah. Right? So there's still those moments of joy in, in, this, in this biotech band. It's very much similar, but it's based on the fundamental tenet of the transparency, yeah. which is not easy. It's really yeah. hard, actually. Right? So. Okay. Um, so let me let me shift gears here real quick, and I want to. This might be a bit of a curveball, but I want to talk about. Uh, a, you, you referenced funding earlier. Always looking for money. Uh, now, now in the in the music world right now, you you alluded to the fact that you're in a way you know you you you've, you've found some success. You're in a position now where you can be the financier of some some musical enterprises. On the other hand, you know, running running Rocket, you're. Um, you know, you're often the fun seeker. Yeah. Uh, what 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 does that tie? What 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 how have those two experiences kind of lined up to to provide some lessons? Well, I think the in in the world of biotech, at least, seeking funds is very much tied to what I think is basically a very good cause, right? Which is curing children with devastating rare diseases and potentially conferring on them normal longevity. You know, otherwise some of these children pass away in their early single digit years, two, mm -hmm. three, four years old. So if there's a way, if there's some value we can add that, um, that helps the patient, it is usually tied to monetary success as well for investors. Fortunately in this field, the, uh, what's good for the patient is going to be good for the investor. Yeah. It's, it's a lucky thing here. The music investor is also investing in the betterment of a human being. Right. But I've always thought that medicine heals the body, music and the arts can heal the soul. Right. So it's a very similar proposition. Uh, if someone is looking for music financing and, and uh, early in the band, we had some great patrons who did support us, uh, and helped us get started. Yeah. And uh, it was what spoke to them was the human element. You know, they see a concert, they see that we can actually move an audience and, and uplift them and elevate them, you know, spirit wise, not body wise, spirit wise. Um, and that's what gets someone to invest. And if I'm an investor on the other side of the music business, I'm looking for the same thing. Why should I care? Right. So putting this back to the biotech focus. Uh, when I'm in investor meetings as a biotech CEOs, 
CEO, I know that what matters the most ultimately is for someone to care about this, for, for it to be bigger than just about themselves and uh, end of year bottom line, right? It's got to be something more. And it's always an extra element that every big investor has bought into. Every yeah. big investor, you can look at our top investors. It's a personal relationship, a personal connection at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a, that's a good segue to uh, the next question I wanted to ask you about a point that you made earlier, and that, that one being audience, Re- reading the audience, playing to the audience, adjusting uh, you know, to the audience's uh, perceived wants, needs, and desires. Now, obviously, you've got multiple audiences as the leader of a, of a biotech. You've got the, you know, the patient audience. You've got the market. You've got your, your board. You've got your investors. Um, so talk a little bit about those and, and the parallels there and how you learn uh, in, a, in, a, in a captive environment when you're playing in front of a live audience. I imagine a seasoned musician like you, it doesn't take you long to kind of feel the vibe, respond to the vibe. Uh, in a not as captive environment where you've got multiple audiences that are coming to you at multiple different times with multiple different needs, it's got to be a little more difficult to read that and then respond somehow. So give us some advice around that. Yeah, the um, the easy application is that uh, storytelling as a biotech CEO is like performing in a band. That's the easy application, right? Um, uh, sometimes we'll have meetings with several investors in the room, 10 investors, each of which is an A-grade investor and just like an A-grade audience member who's there to listen to your music. Mm-hmm. So being in that room is a very similar experience. So, so sometimes I can just... Together with my band, we've probably done 1,500 concerts uh, wow. in the last, what, I forget, 25 years or so. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we used to do one, like two concerts a week for many, many years. This was, this was what I was focused on quite a bit. Um, and in, in that process, this has become, it's just become something that's second nature. It's fun. Um, what you learn to do in, even if your audience is 7,000, is you find your five to 10 people and those become your audience. So whether it's 7,000 or 10, there's always only five to 10 and you have to connect with those 10 people and understand what they need, what they want and, um, and tell them the story, right? Or, or sing them the story. It's, the same, it's actually the same thing. Now, what you're asking is there are other audiences as a biotech CEO. There, there's the team, there's, um, there's media, there's, uh, there's patients and families. Um, and what's more important here, I've learned in this job that you can't learn as in a band, is that uh, just understanding is enough. Just understanding what the patient audience and the family audience are really saying is all you need to do. You don't need to tell your story, right? It's actually more important that you hear their story, right? So this performer in me is slowly becoming a listener in this mm-hmm. job. That, that's the transition that I'm sort of going through real time as you can. Oh, but it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating. And it's, uh, you know, it's certainly, certainly, certainly relatable. I'm, uh, you know, I, I came into this conversation thinking, I don't know how many parallels can we actually draw? And the longer the conversation goes on, you know, the, the more I'm realizing that we could talk all afternoon. Yeah, we should do this again. This is fun. Uh, we should, fun. yeah. We're run, actually running short on time right now. So I, even though I'd love to continue talking with you about this, uh, we will have to schedule uh, a round two. But I want to give you an opportunity, uh, if you'd like, real quick before we do wrap up, uh, to, to just share some updates on 
what's going on at Rocket from a pipeline perspective and, and some maybe some next steps for the company? Yeah, so we're five years ago, we never thought that uh, we would get this far. I mean, we never thought we would get the first Series A financing. Um, I, I'm amazed to see this team put together the pipeline and the projects and the clinical trials that they have. Uh, we now have five programs in the clinic, so five clinical trial level programs in, four, in five devastating rare diseases. Uh, Fanconi anemia, you mentioned, which is a bone marrow disorder. Uh, Dannon disease, which is a heart failure disorder. It could be the first potentially curative gene therapy in heart disease of any kind. Mm. Uh, LAD1, which you mentioned, and a sort of a disorder of neutrophils that cause a lot of infections. Pyruvate kinase deficiency, you mentioned, which is a red cell disorder, and osteopetrosis, which just uh, got an IND approval recently. So five programs in the clinic in five years. Uh, with the manufacturing facility that, that I'm sitting in now that is about to be up and running so that we can develop commercializable products for all five of these indications, but also continue to do research and development on more programs. And that facility is, is going to be ready to produce clinical material and start producing clinical material next year. So we find ourselves five years into this company with a responsibility to keep doing this for, for many, many, many years to go, come from many more types of diseases. We already have proof of concept uh, in Fanconi anemia, as well as LAD1. Uh, we probably treated um, five to 10 children now in the last 12 months or so. Uh, and some of them are, look like they could be on their way to cure. And I want to say the word potentially, because until people are out for several years, you never know. Right. Uh, but some of these patients, I believe, are going to live normal lives now. And, and just being a part of that, it's just, it's, it's so much bigger than, than certainly than me, but it's bigger than the team. It's bigger than a performer or a musician. This, this is, uh, you know, we've tapped into a world that's um, that is as deep as the ocean. So, this pipeline of five, we're going to expand over time, could become 10, could become 15. It'll be supported with manufacturing. The team is growing. Um, and I feel like we're just getting started. Uh, you know, just, just getting started. We just, it's like we just got the band together and we sure. figured out how to do this. And now we're going to keep going Yeah, uh, for yeah. decades to come. Yeah, you'll be like... Uh... I don't know. I'm trying to come up. Uh, yeah, as, as, as you can probably guess, I'm pretty bad with the musical references. I couldn't remember Slash for crying out loud. But the, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a band that's been touring. Uh, Def Leppard, I don't know. Rolling Stones. is <laughs> Rolling uh, Stones. That's the, yeah, the, the best. Uh, yeah, I should have come up with that one on my own. Um, yeah, that's, keep up the good work. Congratulations on the success uh, to date. And thank you for all the hard work you're doing on behalf of these, these patients. Um, and I, I do look forward to I do look forward to round two of our conversation. I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Talk to you soon. So that's Dr. Garash. I'm Matt Piller, and this is the Business of Biotech Summer Executive Sessions. We're produced by Bioprocess Online in partnership with Cytiva. Learn more about Cytiva's commitment to new and emerging biopharma at cytivalifesciences.com backslash emerging biotech. And get dialed in on the latest bioprocessing trends and technologies by subscribing to our newsletter at bioprocessonline.com. While you're there, subscribe to this pod so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening.